0: Good morning. Uh, I want to begin today on a little bit of a personal note. Uh, I know some of you know and are aware and others may not be. I I shared on Facebook last night, uh, Friday, my world changed forever. Uh, It was about lunchtime on Friday. I got a call. uh, I was at home. I got a call saying that my dad had had a medical emergency at work, and that he did not make it. My dad uh, my dad had a massive heart attack and was dead before the paramedics could get there <clears throat> I say that for a couple reasons. First, I want to say thank you. Your love is incredible. Thank you for the way that you've reached out to my family. The way that you've prayed for us. And I want to ask you to continue to pray for our family. Um, Services are this week he lived 3 hours away. So just pray for our family this week. I also say that because I know in our church there have been several people in the past few months who have lost loved ones. There have been several people this year who have lost loved ones. And uh during this holiday season, you you get together with family and even if it didn't happen recently the loss is fresh so i just want to ask you and encourage you reach out to those people who who you know that have lost someone you never know what a text message might do <clears throat> the reality is and i'm not going to spend a lot of time here this is not a service about my dad we're going to we're going to i'm going to preach today The reality is we always think we have more time. I just hope that can be a word for somebody. We think we have, oh, I'll I'll do it. I need to have that conversation. I need to talk to that person. I need to do that. But I've got time. My dad was 57 years old. We thought we had 20 more years If there's somebody you need to talk to, call them today. You get right with those people. You, If there's unforgiveness, if there's an issue, if there's something, don't leave any regrets. I can say thank you, Jesus, that I, my dad and I, we loved it. There was no, no regrets. There was nothing that I... I mean, of course, I wish we could have him here. Of course, I wish I could spend more. But... But there is nothing that I regret that I didn't say to him. And so that is such a blessing. I also say this this morning. Several people have said, I'm surprised you're here. I'm, I'm surprised. Guys, there is no place in the world I'd rather be than here with you this morning. I really believe these scriptures. I, what we pray here on Sunday morning... That, that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. That the Holy Spirit is the source of all of our comfort. I, I really believe those things. I, I really believe that at the end of your life, you are, going to, you are going to appear before God. And the one question that He's going to ask you, the very first question is, What did you do with my Son, Jesus Christ? And your answer to that question and my answer to that question and my dad's answer to that question determines where we will spend eternity. And if I could tell you anything this morning, it would be this. If you are unsure, if you would say, I don't know if I'm right with Jesus Christ, please don't leave here that way. Please make sure you get that right Because the reality is we never know. Scripture tells us that tomorrow is not promised. But when you're young, you think, well, I've got more time. I never would have thought on Thursday night when I talked to my dad on Thanksgiving that the next day, within 12 hours, I was going to get a call that he was gone. Life is so short. I'm going to talk about something now that doesn't make me cry, if that's okay. (laughs) I want to talk to you about your niche. (laughs) Have y'all not found that yet? What are you doing? So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about this idea that there is a place that God has for you. There is a sweet spot that you have a calling on your life. And we've been... Pinging off of Ephesians 2.10. For you are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which he prepared for you in advance. And so if you want to know what it is that I'm here for. What is my purpose in life? What is the calling of God on my life? Then then there are lots of places. You can, you can go to scripture. You can go to the Holy Spirit. But one of the uh, key places you can go is you can say God. If I'm your handiwork, then your fingerprints are all over me. How did you design me, sir? What am I good at? What strengths do I have? How did you wire me? And as we begin to look at all those things, we can see what it is that God wants us to do. The thing I've been saying is you were designed on purpose for a purpose. And so we've been looking at some of the indicators. Go ahead and put that acrostic up there. I even made it niche, so you guys could remember this long after the series was over. Actually, I slash Pastor Jim, God bless him. And so uh, we've talked about natural abilities, individuality, that's, so that's personality. Then we talked about charisma, so that is spiritual gifts. And then today, I want to talk to you about heart. I want to talk to you about heart. Now, this one is a little bit different. Than the other ones. Because this one has to do with our motivation. This one is about our energy. Our passion. It's not necessarily what you do. But it's why you do it. What gets you energized. What gets you excited. What are you interested in and passionate in. And and so I found a scripture. That I think perfectly encapsulates. You know kind of the dichotomy here. It's Philippians 2.13. Here's what it says. For God is working in you. That is such a comforting thought. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God is working in you. Okay, what's he doing? He is giving you the desire and the power, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So today and every day, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power To do what pleases Him. The power is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. The power, that's your spiritual gifts. That's your natural abilities. That's the things that God made you good at. That's what you have the power to do. The desire, that's what we're pinging off of today. The desire. That has to do with passions and interests. Not just what can I do, but what am I excited to do? What do I have passion to do. Listen to this, so important. God made you so that your niche is also the place of your passion. Your niche is also the place of your passion. Now that's good news. That's incredible news because we're all wired differently and some of us get passionate about things that could others could care less about. Let me give you an example. If you would come to me this morning, you would say, Pastor Andrew, I just know I'm not a people person. They're okay, but I just don't like people. I get that a little bit. I really do. Guess where God's probably not calling you? He's probably not calling you to the usher ministry. Those are the people that stand on the doors, that have the nice little black polos on. Hey, good morning, welcome to the bridge, so glad to see you. Those are the people who welcome you in. Then you get to these inside doors, and they say, I hope you enjoy the service, and they hand you a little worship packet. Those are those people. I was at a store the other day, I I was at a, a retail store, and they had to call the customer service manager. So that means this is the person that represents the way that they treat customers in this store. She comes up to the front, and I can tell right from the beginning, I am a problem to her. (laughs) I'm bothered, and I am trying to be nice. I'm trying to be very, it's almost Thanksgiving. Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much. What? What do you want? (laughs) Refund? You know, I mean, it was just like, I am so sorry I'm here. I had no idea. You know, today was such a bad day for you. Could you imagine? Have you ever been to a church where the people that were greeting you looked like they were baptized in vinegar? Just hateful, mean. Guys, if you're not a people person, then God's not probably calling you to a place where you're going to interact with people. You know what your team is? Your team's the setup team, okay? You're the 630 guy, all right? You do have to get a hug from Pastor Andrew if you come that early. But other than that, you don't have to talk to people. Now let me bring some balance to this. Am I saying that God will never call you out of your comfort zone? No, I'm not. Am I saying that God never stretches us, that there are things that we're not passionate about or interested in, but God wants us to do any? Yeah, absolutely. God stretches us and and brings us out of our comfort zone. But our niche is also our place of passion. And so I'll put this question to you this morning. What are you passionate about? What lights your fire? What excites you? What are you passionate about? Now, I realize that's a big question, but you are a more passionate person than what you realize. For some people, politics is a place of passion. I'm seeing some smiles across the room. You know someone who they listen to talk radio. They know what happened in Washington. They know what's going on on Capitol Hill. They know how the vote's going. I love Nicole's Grammy Grammy. Her Grammy is as sweet as she can be. She's a little 80 some odd year old lady, and she's always so nice and so loving. But she knows in Nicole's family, there is a difference of political opinion. And so, if politics ever comes up, that is a source of passion. And so, if you're ever at Thanksgiving or Christmas or there's a family gathering and you bring up politics, Grammy comes from the kitchen or wherever she's like, at. Ah, ah, ah. We don't talk about that. You know, she'll come waving that rag or waving that rolling pin or whatever's in her hand because she knows how passionate people are about politics. Give you another one. Maybe politics isn't your thing, maybe it's your health. I know. I saw on social media on Thursday a lot of you were working out. You were doing the turkey trot. You were getting ready for what you were about to put your body through with Thanksgiving. For some of us, it's a place of passion, and we watch our calorie intake, and our macros, and our micros, and we go to the gym, and all those things. It's a place of passion. I'll tell you another one. I love Dave Ramsey. Any Dave Ramsey fans in the house? Any Dave Ramsey listeners? You should listen to him. Even if your house is in financial order, you should listen to Dave Ramsey. He is... He's incredible. Well, one of the things that he instructs people to do is he will help you. He he talks about, he has Financial Peace University, and he helps people get out of debt and win with money. And so people will call in all the time I've made these bad choices, I'm in this debt, what should I do? And he always tells them, You've got to get gazelle intense. That, that just like that gazelle on that African plain, when that, tie, when that lion is after him, that gazelle, there is no wasted energy, no wasted effort. Every move is intentional. That gazelle is getting away from that lion. And he talks about getting out of debt like that because you've got to break some bad habits and you've got to create some good ones. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And and so he'll instruct people, rice and beans, beans and rice. You only eat what you got to eat. You you don't go out to eat. I'm seeing some heads nodding. You've been through the Dave Ramsey baby steps before. Uh, He he instructs people, you may have to get a second job. You don't have to cut back expenses. you got to make changes. And and the reason I bring him up is because what happens? If you've ever listened to Dave Ramsey, when people get out of debt, what do they do? The debt-free what? scream. They come and they scream. Some people do it over the phone. Some people fly in to the studio. He gets them to share their story. And then he says, all right, you ready? One, two, three. And then they scream. We're debt free. And there's all this emotion. And and if you've never been in debt or if you're in debt and don't care, you look at that. Because that's, I mean, let's be honest, where some people are. Charge it, you know. If you hear that, if you hear all that passion and all that energy, we're that free, and you're in one of those two categories, you're like, man, what is wrong with those people? They're embarrassing themselves a little bit, aren't they? I think about what it says in 1 Corinthians. It says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the very power of, of God. Can I tell you something? Don't judge another person's passion. The, the simple fact is, we we get to hear a little clip of what they've been through to be able to be debt-free. We get to hear a little snippet of the sacrifices they've made and the changes that they've done. We don't know all the effort and energy and passion and intensity that went in to that moment of finally realizing their dreams and being debt-free. Hey, can I tell you something else? I I think there's a crossover application as well. When you see people worshiping in church and maybe they worship differently than you do. Maybe they're a little bit more passionate in the way they speak. I've got friends like that. Hey, good morning, brother. God bless you. They're, They're just passionate in the way they talk. They're passionate in the way they live. They're passionate in the way they worship. Can I just encourage you, do not judge them because you don't know what God's done in their life. You don't know what God's brought them through. You don't know the times that they fasted, the times that they have wet the carpet with their tears in prayer. You don't know what it's taken for them to get to where they are. And so we better be careful when we start judging other people's passion. Again, let me ask you, What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? I want to give you some indicators. Some ways that you can know some of the things you're passionate about. The first one is, what do I find myself talking about? do Do you ever just stop and listen to yourself? What is it that I find myself talking about? What comes up in conversation? Scripture tells us that for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth what? The mouth speaks. That what's in here eventually fills up, spills over, and comes out here. So if you want to know if you're passionate about it, if you want to know if you've got a heart for it, you can ask yourself, hey, do I ever talk about this? That's an indicator of passion. Another indicator is, what do I make time for? What do I make time for? Now, I know you got to go to work. you got to pay the bills. There's some things you've got to do. But what do we ask off work for? What do we clear the whole day on Sunday afternoon for and say, if somebody calls, I'm not available? What do we make time for? That is an indicator of our passion. I'll give you one more, one more indicator. What do I spend my money on? Where, where does my money go when when I've got a little extra money? What do I spend it on when I don't have a little bit of extra money? What do I justify spending money on? All of those things. Hey, remember, Scripture says that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That there is this tether there. And so if you want to know where your heart's at, look at where your money's going. Again, all of these things are indicators. My question to you this morning is, As you think about what you're passionate about, you'll begin to see some commonalities between where you spend your time, where you spend your money, and what you talk about. Those are your passions. Now we're beginning to see that heart. We're beginning to see, okay, God, how did you make me? What have you given me energy for? Let me give you a definition that we're going to get into some points. Here's a definition of heart. Heart is the passion that is created when your God-given interests align with your God-given purpose. Let me read that one more time. Passion is the, or excuse me, the heart is the passion that is created when your God-given interests align with your God-given purpose, your God-designed purpose for living. When you get that figured out, where is my heart? then you have got a very strong indicator as to your niche. So let me give you three things to do with your heart. Just very practically, three things to do with your heart. Number one, get a heart transplant. Get a heart transplant. When we talk about heart, we're talking about the seat of our mind, our will, and our emotions. We're talking about all of who we are. When someone says, oh, you've got such a good heart, they're saying that at your core, you are a good person. Not that you've got a good heart and that everything else about you is wrong. So the heart is all of who we are. Yet look at how Scripture talks about our heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's true. For me, for you, for every person we will ever come in contact with, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Pastor Andrew, I just spent Thanksgiving with my grandma. And I believe that that's true about most people, but it is not true about my grandma. My grandma has a good heart. You're wrong. It's desperately wicked and it's deceitful. And I'm sorry you had to learn that at church this morning. Here's why. Here's why that's the case for all of us. Go up a few verses. Verse 5, here's what it says. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. So, so what the prophet Jeremiah is teaching us here is that our heart departs from the Lord whenever we put our trust in flesh. When we put our trust in us, when we think, I can do it. No, no, no I, I can handle it. I'll just do more good things than bad things. I, I, I can trust in me or I put my trust in someone else. If you put your trust anywhere but in Jesus Christ, that trust is misplaced. And Jeremiah says, if you've done that, then your heart has departed from him. So here's what we got to do. You and I, grandma, all of us, we need a heart transplant. In scholarly circles, they talk about the great exchange. There is this great exchange that Jesus Christ will make with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 describes it. It says this, God made him who had no sin, who's that? Jesus. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. God made Jesus to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This incredible thing happened. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He held on to righteousness. You and I, we came and we sinned. And what's more than that? We rebelled. There, there are some things, that, and I'll just put me on the spot. There are things that I've done that I knew were wrong. And I did it anyway because I just wanted to do it more than I was concerned about it. We have all sinned. We've rebelled. We've given in to idolatry. We are desperately wicked. I know we don't like to think of ourselves in those terms. But according to the way God views humanity, if we've put our trust anywhere but in Jesus Christ, it's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. We are Sinful, and we deserve hell. Every single one of us. We deserve eternal punishment. But here's the exchange that Jesus Christ made with us. On that cross, He bore all of our sin on Himself. He paid the debt that we could not pay. And because of that, now. He's willing to to make this exchange, this great exchange where he will impute to us his righteousness and he will take on all of our sins. He bore all of our sins on that cross at Calvary and now he has given us all of his righteousness. He has given us his righteousness. So now, now when we stand before God on that last day and he looks at us, He sees the righteousness of Jesus on us. He sees the blood of Jesus on us. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Again, not because anything we did, but because Jesus was willing to make an exchange with us. He was willing to have a heart transplant. Now hear me, I know there are also some who are here today and you know Jesus as your Savior But you've come in this morning and you've got a sad heart or a lonely heart or an unforgiving heart, a frustrated heart, and you need a heart transplant as well this morning. You need a fresh start. You need forgiveness. You need Jesus. Look at what He tells us in Proverbs 23, 26. It says this, My son, give me your heart And let your eyes delight in my ways. I'll make the change with you. That's the promise that Jesus makes us. But it all starts where? With where our trust is. That heart transplant. So that's point number two. Trust God with your heart. Trust God with your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with All your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means wholly and securely. That means no plan B, not looking back. There's no other alternative. I am trusting God. Okay, Pastor Andrew, how do I do that? Let's keep reading. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. God does this amazing thing. When we come to Him, when we put our trust in Him, we don't have to go in circles. We don't have to to expend a bunch of energy and it's sideways energy and it's never getting us anywhere. Scripture tells us that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. That God will lay out our path and make it straight. But we have to trust God with our whole heart. We have to submit to Him. And then another really practical way to do that, number three, is serve God with all your heart. Serve God with all your heart. That is a phrase that is repeated over and over again in Scripture. I gave you a couple Scripture references. There are more. 1 Samuel twelve twenty, Romans 1 9, Ephesians 6 7. I, I just wanted to give you those if you wanted to look those up later. Let me read you One example from Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 15. Here's what it says. So if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart, if you'll serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil, I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Anybody here this week thought, I wish there were some grass in the fields for my cattle? Jesus is promising. No, I'm just this was an agricultural society. So, so what God is promising them here, what God is promising these Israelites is if you'll do some things, I'm going to bless you. You're going to eat and be satisfied. Your cattle will have food to eat. They'll have grass to eat. You'll have olive oil and new wine. I'm going to make sure your vineyards grow. There's going to be grain. I'm going to bless you. Hey, here's one that was so important to them. You're going to have autumn and spring rains. You think about it. We have no control over when it rains. If we did, it would never rain on Sunday. I promise you that I would pray that rain away. We don't have control over when it rains. Neither did these people. And God says, I will bring rain in its season so that your crops will grow. I am going to pour out blessings on you. This is a promise of God, but it comes with a premise. It's a promise with a premise. One of the ways you can know that when you read Scripture is if you see if then. If my people who are called by my name, then. What's right here as well, it says, so if, that's verse 13, then verse 14 says, then. Then I will bless you. I'll pour out all these blessings on you. I'll I'll bless you agriculturally because that's the way you really want me to show up for you. That was true for these people in Deuteronomy. But look at the condition. If. You faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today. What were the commands? To love the Lord and to serve Him with all your heart. Guys, sometimes we make this stuff so complicated. God, what can I do? How can I make my path straight? How can I follow you with my heart? How can I love the Lord, serve Him with all your heart? We make it so difficult. God says, if you want to experience all these blessings... Obey the commands. What were the commands? They could be boiled down to two things. Again, I know I'm repeating myself. Love the Lord. Serve Him with all your heart. So how do I know when I'm serving God with all my heart? One word. Enthusiasm. It won't necessarily always be easy. It won't always be something you you necessarily want to do. You won't always get the warm fuzzies and the chicken skin. Yeah. Yeah. But when I'm serving the Lord in my niche, there will be enthusiasm. There will be enthusiasm. Because when you're doing what you love to do, nobody has to motivate you or check up on you or challenge you. We are driven to get better at those things that we're passionate about. We really are. Here's another flip side of this coin. People rarely excel at things that they're not passionate about. If I don't care about it, I okay, you can be better than me. People rarely excel at things that they're not passionate about. So enthusiasm. I thought it was so cool. I looked up the root word for enthusiasm, and it's entheos. Can we put that up there on the screen? Yeah, entheos. That's the root word for enthusiasm. You know what it means? In God. In God. When I'm in God, I'll have Enthusiasm. When my, when my God-given interests line up with my God-designed purpose, when I'm, when I'm in that place of my heart, when I'm in that place of my passion, when I'm in my niche, there will be enthusiasm. I want to close with, with this story. There was a young man, and I want to be careful not to give too many details. There was a young man several years ago, who was just a stud football player. He was he was absolutely incredible. He was in high school, a high school kind of in the area, bad to the bone. This guy had size, strength, speed, vision, quickness, all, all the things that just make coaches salivate. He was offered by a plethora of colleges i don't even know how many and i don't want to tell you wrong but there were a bunch of colleges that offered this young man a scholarship well he had all the potential in the world i'll tell you how much potential he had nick saban head coach of the university of alabama Crimson Tide, even if you're not a football fan, chances are you have heard that name, Nick Saban. You at least know the University of Alabama is normally pretty good at football. Nick Saban came to Eastern North Carolina during the school day to meet face-to-face with this young man. You've got to be pretty good for Nick Saban to come to your doorstep. Nick Saban comes, makes his pitch, Young man, kind of fast forward here. Young man ultimately decides to go to a school in North Carolina. Wanted to be closer to home. First year, he redshirted. Okay. Folks around here were excited. But we understood, you know, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you, you know, you need to learn the scheme or the system. Or... Next year, he wasn't redshirted. He didn't do anything. He's third string. It wasn't long after that he dropped out of school. Now, I want to be very fair I have not talked to this young man. I, don't, I have not heard from the horse's mouth. But there are a lot of people that came back with reports. Oh, he had all the size. He had all the strength. He had all the potential. He just didn't have the passion. He didn't want to do the nutritional side. He didn't want to do some of the other things that you've got to do to be a college athlete and to be an athlete. All the potential in the world won't make up for a lack of passion. Won't make up for it. So Here's the question I have for us today. As as we leave this place, if if I could leave one thing in your mind, if you would take one thing and just think about it and keep it before you this week, it, it would be this question. What would happen if the people of God became passionate for the work of God? What would happen? What would happen if the people of God, if, if us, if all of us, and people in churches just like us, what if we, the people of God, became passionate for the work of God? I'll tell you a couple things that immediately come to mind. We would never need a volunteer. People would be pumped about finding it, about getting in their area of passion. We're setting up right now for bridge groups. We're going to start a new semester. One semester is ending right now in December. Uh, January is a promotional month. And then another semester will start February, March, April. We've been looking for a host home. If you've got a home, that can seat 12 to 15 people, we would love to talk to you. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be dealing with those kinds of things. If, if the people of God, if all of us, now I know, please don't take this as a critique. There are some of you that are very passionate and you're doing a lot of things that, that nobody but Jesus knows about. So I'm not... I'll tell you what else would happen. We would see unbelievers on the street and we'd launch into our testimony and we would launch into the gospel appeal and they'd say hey hey I've already had two other people Wes and Danny already talked to me this morning about Jesus we would be saturated in the gospel if the people of God became passionate about the work of God so I want to ask you what are you passionate about God gave you that thing for a reason to do something with it. Maybe here at the church, maybe at the food pantry in town, maybe at the Salvation Army in Goldsboro, but God gave you a passion for a reason. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that during this series we have been reminded time and time again that nothing about us is on accident. Nothing about us caught you by surprise. God, you love us and and you love us so much and you care for us so much and you care for your kingdom so much that you made sure that you wired us and knit us. We are the work of your hand. We are your masterpieces. So Father, I just pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice that we would begin to wrestle with what exactly is it that I'm passionate about and then God, help me to serve you with all of my heart using that passion in some way so that my my life would be marked by enthusiasm. My life would be marked by being in God. I can't imagine a more fruitful or fulfilling life for any of us. Any person, me included, than to find our passion and use it for your glory. God, I just pray for, um, I pray for us as we go from here. Keep us safe. I pray, Father, uh, that as we prepare to come back next week, that you would prepare our hearts as we close out this series. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to speak to us and give us wisdom about how it is we can serve you in our world today. I pray all these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen.